Welcome to Play by Players, an MLSPA podcast. This show is brought to you by the players and is all about the players, both past and present, who have plied their trade in MLS. You'll hear about each player's journey into the game, their careers and life after the game, on the field and off. It's all on the table. Now here's your host, former MLS player, Bobby Boswell. We've got a real special guest today, uh, probably the the most excited guy uh, that I'm excited about in terms of having on the pod. No offense to the guys that have come before you or will come after, but this guy is really a, a legend. We don't throw that word around lightly. He's played over 500 games as a professional soccer player. He had a 15-year career with the U.S. men's national team at the senior level. He was a part of the 2014 World Cup team in Brazil. He was a 2013 Gold Cup champion, two-time MLS Cup champion with two different teams, two-time MLS Cup Supporter Shield champion with two different teams, MLS Cup MVP in 2009. He's a six-time MLS All-Star, three-time winner of MLS Save of the Year. He won a national championship at UCLA. He has over 220 wins, 1,700 saves, 150 shutouts, 47,000 minutes played. Uh, He's been to the finals of pretty much every competition that you can uh, reach the final in in U.S. soccer or MLS. Please welcome to the podcast, Nick Ramondo. Well, thank you, uh, Bobby. What an introduction. Happy to be here. Yeah, no, thanks for coming on. I mean, I normally try to condense that down, but that actually is the condensed version of yours. Uh, you're the MLS leader in career <laughs> shutouts, wins, saves, and yeah. appearances. But, uh, you know, just wrapping up a, a wonderful career. And, you know, I always like to kind of uh, start off by throwing it all the way back to childhood. I, I do my homework on on you guys before I do this. You, I, I happen to play with and know over the years. So uh, I do remember some stories. I believe you were a forward as a child, but uh, I, I read somewhere that you broke a lot of things in the house as a kid. Is that is that true? Kicking a soccer ball around? That is true. And funny you, you say that. Uh, I just went back with the kids probably a couple months ago, and we uh, broke my dad's TV. So uh, I owe him one of those. All right. Well, did, did he <laughs> did he forgive you for, for that stuff? Uh, I think he and my mom were a bit mad when I when I left. So I think there's like a, an IOU that, that's going to come around shortly. So you're saying that people can make mistakes and they get forgiven. Would you say that's accurate? <laughs> well, I haven't seen them in person since then. So I'll get back to you on that forgiven part. <laughs> well, well, the reason I'm drawing this out is, is if, if I were to say that I scored, I don't know, a handful of own goals on you. <laughs> Uh, would would you say that you've forgiven me after all this time, or is that still something you hold uh, deep in your heart? No, I've, I've forgiven you for sure. Those are some some wonderful goals there. Do you know how many you scored on me? I don't want to. I I do know, <laughs> but it's uh, we'll get into that later. But no, the, the the real reason I'm excited, Nick, is you kind of embody uh, so much great things about not just MLS, but the U.S. soccer player. And, you know, for the people that don't know Nick, Nick is a celebrity. He looks cool. He acts cool. He hangs out with celebrities. I think you're the first person on the that I've interviewed that has a street named after him, Ramondo Way. They let him select songs for the, the stadium, uh, the warm-ups and things of that nature. He's big in the music scene. Anyone that follows him knows that. And, you know, I, I look at you as a type of guy that when you walk in a room, People think that you're somebody. They know that you're somebody. And uh, you can't really say that about um, a lot of American soccer players, especially in MLS. So uh, for me, it was just it's just awesome to uh, have the opportunity to interview you and let people kind of see why you are uh, so popular. Obviously, the tattoos help. Um, <laughs> but but that's the real reason I wanted you on. And do, do you look at yourself as a rock star? I don't, man. I, I'm just I'm just me. I, I've lucky enough to meet uh, some wonderful people and, and keep in contact with the right people. And um, obviously my career uh, speaks for itself and, and what I've done on, on the field uh, helps out. But man, I, I, I do stuff like any other people. You know, I, I go to restaurants, I, I go to concerts, I, I take my kids to basketball, volleyball, soccer practice. I think you're right. And, and some people think I am this ultra human. But for me, I'm just look at I'm me. I'm a dad. I'm a, a retired soccer player. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Have you ever signed anything really weird? I think that's the perception of rock stars. They sign something weird. Have you Have you ever signed any? I, I used to sign. I mean, not not like weird, weird. I mean, I think younger, I would 
sign kids foreheads and, and forearms and stuff like that but like nothing cool like let's say these these rock star stars are uh signing okay okay well that well let me ask you this when we originally we were going to try to do this before you were done playing I know that you kind of turned off all media as you wound it down. Uh-huh. Um, you know, when we were getting this thing going, we were trying to get a guy that would that would be open, and, and we thought you would be the best guy to be open because you you know you are pretty <laughs> uh, pretty open with people. You know, you're not afraid to say you drink a beer every once in a while, and uh, but then you kind of backed out, and I was so shocked. I wasn't shocked that you backed out. I was just more concerned. There's this perception that guys can't show that they have a personality. And did you pull out because you were kind of worried about the perception of, of, of putting yourself out there with uh, with any media or was it more focused on just ending your career? Just ending my career. I, I mean, if I have something to say, I think you know me well enough. I'll say it. I, I think there's a lot of things you could touch on in the soccer world, outside of the soccer world that um, some people are comfortable talking about. Some people aren't. But for me, at, at that stage where I was just like, I, I wanted not all the attention on me. Like you said, in, in the beginning of this year, I, I turned down a lot of interviews because I announced my retirement and I didn't want it to be about me. I didn't want the whole year to be about me. So I kind of backed off a little bit. And, and at the end of uh, the season, that's when I kind of ramped it up a little bit, gave the interviews and, and tried still not to make it about me, but, but about the team. But maybe that had a little bit to do with it. And, and I think right now is just good time to do it, man. I got a lot of time in my hands, so so why not? Yeah, I got you. Well, we appreciate it, and you know, I was going to do a whole thing on guys that weren't alive because uh, you're, <laughs> you're 20, 20 year professional career, but the league's gotten so young now that I can't even. It's too much of a, a, right, a pain man. in the butt. It's so funny. I joke about it all the time when in the locker room. It's my son has more of a connection with the guys in the locker room than I do. They're closer in age and. It's just what old soccer players have to deal with, I guess. Yeah, well, I think it, I think that's a testament to your longevity. And I mean, what does it mean to you to have such a long and illustrious career? I, I'm, more, I'm not concerned necessarily with the accolades, more as the how long of a career you had. And um, I'm actually going to throw it back. You know, you, you really started, I, I consider your professional career starting at the U-17 level where you're representing the country and going to the World Cup. So you could make a case it's even further back than 20 years. But what does it mean to you to, to be around for so long? For me, the longevity, the consistency, that that's what sticks out in my career. Uh, obviously, you got the accolades that, that come with that. But for me, just to be around so, so long and to see the change and the good change uh, in the league, uh, see the players that come through the league, uh, where the league is at now compared to where it was 20 10, five years ago. So yeah, for me, it, it's that, that longevity that, that stands out and, and means a lot to me. And, and obviously, uh, th- this game has given me so much uh, because of it. Yeah, I'll agree with that. And I, I normally I would lead this, but I, we are going to talk about it. W- w- how do you want to be remembered? I mean, I, I ask everyone <laughs> that question. I really yeah. have three or four things written down, but I want to, before I lead you into it, I would rather hear your answer. Oh man, I, I think everybody has their own perception on what they want to remember you of. Uh, it's not just going to be one thing. Uh, for me, I, oh, wow. Um, I don't know. I think my consistency, like I said, how long I've played, obviously the records, being a good teammate. There's not just one one thing. I think maybe having the, the youth look up to me and, and inspiring the youth. There's not just one thing that stands out. I, I hope a lot of those aspects uh, through the years stick out to, to numerous people and teammates. Well, yeah, I agree with that. And I agree that uh, with what you say on the, there's a lot of things, you know, for me, when I work with kids and I've worked with them over the years, I have my own children. And it's funny because soccer is the most democratic game in the world, meaning you don't have to be this 300 pound, big, you know, six foot nine guy to play it. And I've had so many kids that are goalies. And as a defender, you work with them and they, they would be these little guys and they'd say, I'm going to be just like Nick Romando. He's, he's not (laughs) the biggest guy I can do it. And my response to them, you know, I never want to crush a kid's dreams. But I would say, okay, let's think about that for a second. I say, he's the best shot blocker in the history of the league. He's the best distributor of the ball in the history of the league. So you're telling me that you're going to be the best shot blocker in the history of the league and the best ball distributor in the league. And, and then they'd say, well, well, yeah, I mean, if he did it, I can do it. And I laugh because it's like, that's so unrealistic. But at the same time, it is an inspiration to those kids. And how does that make you feel that these, these kids around the country are thinking, you know what, maybe I don't look like Peter Check, and I don't, you know, I'm not as big as these other guys, but I still have a fighting chance because this guy did it. Yeah, for sure. I, I think I've had that stigma about me ever since I, you know, I was pro and, and even leading into to college, it was, you're too short, uh, you won't make it. Maybe in college, you'll play some games. 
Uh, and that, that stuck with me and that, that drove me uh, into to this 20-year career that I had. But if you're getting those responses from the kids, imagine how many times kids have came up to me or reached out through me social media and telling me how I expired them and, and telling me I want to be you and, and give me some hints and instruction on how to get to where you're at. And, and listen, there's no book to, to be in short and, and being a goalkeeper or, or making a living being a professional soccer player. You just have to have that drive, that determination, that, that will to get there. And, and that comes with, I think, playing and having the confidence. And, and like I said, having that passion and commitment to, to being the best you can be. Yeah, well, you brought up a book. Are you going to go ahead and write your your penalty kick specialist book? Or <laughs> you're so funny. There's been so many people that's reached out to me about doing a book, and and uh, a lot of it is on penalty kicks. And and now that I'm done playing, uh, maybe that's something of interest. But but uh, yeah, there's been multiple people that that reached out about possibly doing a book. I think you should. For those that don't know, Nick, he saved one or two over the course of his career. He actually saved 33. Um, and, and I'm not even sure uh, if that includes the playoffs. If it includes the playoffs, it, it's probably uh, an exponentially more than that. Um, and and I, I don't know how to pronounce this, but they call you the, is it the Wall of Wasatch? The Wall of the Wasatch is the name they gave me here, yes. Okay, and that's, that's a testament to, uh, to him helping, uh, helping bring hardware back to, to Salt Lake. <laughs> You know, and it's funny because people would always ask me, they'd say, you know, how is he so good at it? You played with him. And my first response would be, you know, if you put on the uh, the same team jersey as him, it's not that hard to score on him. Um, <laughs> but my second one is just, I, I don't know. I, I don't remember. Yeah. I mean, you're always a great shot blocker, but I mean, do you, I know you do your homework. I know that the goalie coaches work with you. Uh, I've heard you hint at, uh, in other outlets that there is something that you have. Do, do you care to share that with us, or are you saving that for the book? Yeah, I, I'm going to keep that one in the back pocket. I think I've let a couple people know the strategy I kind of go into with, with uh, penalty kicks. But again, I'm not always right. It's still a gamble. It's still if he goes left or if he goes right, if he's going to go in the middle nowadays, it's still a gamble. And, and the percentages show that whatever I was doing uh, worked. Yeah, no, clearly it did. And you know, it's a, that's again a testament to, to you. And let's go back. I brought up the uh, the under seventeen World Cup. Uh, one of my, you know, I'm I'm a numbers guy. I've worked out over the years because every day before a game, you spend in a hotel. You spend the day of a game in a hotel. If if I said that you've played over 500 professional games, that means you've literally spent over a thousand days of your life uh, in a hotel getting ready for a game which also means you spent 24 years of your life uh, with another person in a room in a hotel. <laughs> you laugh, but I think guys that have retired miss the most. They miss the airplane travel and, and rooming with their buddies on the road. I mean, who? when you look back over your career, who, who did you room with that you're going to, you know, you probably will miss the most? Who was the most interesting roommate you had on, in this whole career? Ben Olsen, for sure. Kyle Beckerman, Frankie Haydick, Eddie Pope. But at the end of my career, I ended up getting my own room, which was pretty nice, uh, being the old guy on the team in 37, <laughs> 38, 39. It has its perks of, of getting your own room and going to sleep at the right time and not hearing your roommate snore and, and getting up when you want to. So at the uh, end of my career is, uh, is what I hold on to most for sure. My privacy, man. You just you just big timed every guy in the league. Uh, no, you had your no, own no, room, not man. at all. <laughs> There's like a handful of guys. It's like you, David Beckham, and that might be it that had their own room. Uh, and and even then, I don't think he had his own room. So that's awesome, man. Well, no. Uh, let's get back to when you came into the league after the 17s. Who helped you out? And and your your career is kind of interesting in that I call it the uh, the growth of a of an adult male. Uh, that you're a young guy. You go to Miami of all places. You get moved to D.C. and you mature a little bit. And then as an adult, <laughs> you go to Salt Lake and have a family. But tell me, uh, who helped you out when you got in those early days? Oh, man, it, it was, uh, I mean, when I got drafted, it was literally just kind of getting thrown in the mix. Someone just picked me up. I think an administrator from Miami picked me up, left me at this Holiday Inn. And it was like, all right, someone will be there and, and pick you up in the morning for, for training. And it was Kind of just got thrown in the mix. And, and then once you get in, in the locker room and hanging out with the guys, early on in my career, it was Pablo Masterani. It was Leo Colon, uh, Jay Heaps, Henry Gutierrez. A, a lot of guys maybe people don't know or, or do know. But um, it was those younger guys but still had leadership in the, the locker room that, that I kind of just 
hung around and they helped me a lot. Well, that's awesome. I know you mentioned Jay Heaps. When I went through, you know, I go through the rosters of every team you're on and uh, that, that Miami team, you had Jay Heaps, Garth Lagerway, you know, Tyrone Marshall, Pablo Mastroini. I'm just looking at some of these guys are, you know, Precky. These guys all went on to either be GMs or uh, coaches at some point. And then we didn't even get to the the crazy guys and the the Winaldas and the uh, the McKinleys, <laughs> Ivan McKinley, oh, wow. uh, Roy Lassiter. What do you remember from being young and the, and the team like that in Miami? I mean, what do you remember taking away from from some of those characters? Man, those guys were exactly that characters. Uh, the stories I could tell about Ivan and Ian Bishop and Jim Rooney, some eye-opening stuff for sure. Some stuff I can't talk about, but. <laughs> it was it was definitely definitely eye opening and oh wow this is professional soccer this is what I'm here for and and uh, but it was good it was a good mix of of the league was growing and, and just started and and had these you know a mix of older guys and young guys and you know I look back of it and, and I appreciate everything that the league has done and and but I mean man we were playing on on high school fields and and driving. 20 miles to another field just to get back to the locker room and it was just. And it was an experience I'll never forget, for sure, to see where the league is now and where it's going. So um, I love those years, and, and, and I always remember uh, the time in Miami. I imagine it was a lot of fun. And the Miami team ends up folding, uh, and then you get uh, taken with your coach, Ray Hudson. He takes you up to D.C. I mean, are you, at this point, you can't be too unhappy in that it wasn't like you got traded and someone didn't want you. On the contrary, it was a coach leaves and he takes you with him to the next place. Walk me through that that yeah, transition. I was in camp in California for the Gold Cup. I think it was like uh, Zach Thornton, myself, and Kevin Hartman. And then Bruce walks up to me and we know that the two teams aren't there anymore. And there's this unknown of what's going on and what team I'm going to go to and what other players are going to go to different teams. And Bruce walks up to me and is like, hey, you're going to love DC. And I'm just like, huh? And he's like, you're going to love D.C. You're going to get picked by D.C. in this uh, expansion draft. and Or not expansion draft, the dismantled draft, whatever they called it back then. And I was just like, uh, okay. And he was telling me about his room that he has downstairs that Ben Olsen stayed in when he went to D.C. United. And I could have that room as well. And and then, of course, the the draft happens that day and I get picked to, to go to D.C. And obviously, you, you played there. You know the story history it is that they have there with all the championships and, and the players that went through it. So going from Miami to D.C. was almost like a dream come true. You're playing with the best team ever at the time in MLS. And to have Ray go with me was was uh, a dream come true. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's that's an interesting time. I, I don't think many people in the league can say they went through something like that. Um, you know, and hopefully the days of uh, folding teams, uh, Chivas and Tampa and Miami are beyond us. But um, we'll move on past that. When you get to D.C., at what point, you know, you were, I, I consider you a kid in Miami uh, in relation to your career, but then you go to D.C. And, and this is kind of where I pick up, meaning I come on board there. And, and you were the furthest thing from a kid. I, I believe uh, you had guys living, like, when did you start taking guys and helping them, you know, and mentoring them and making life for them a little easier? Uh, when, when did that happen? Yeah, it was just early on, man. I was just open and to having people at the house. And, and I mean, you know, you were at the house so many times if it wasn't not living there, but you were there all the time for barbecues and big games or events. And, and uh, it was just something that I've always liked. And, and obviously, as I got older, there's no vacancy anymore, but the door was always open. And if I could help some some new kid on the block, that's what I was going to do. Yeah. And for those, uh, those listening, you know, one of the guys he lived with him was Josh Gross, he actually introduced him to his wife, Dima Kovalenko. And then you had a bunch of guys like me, Andrew Weber, different young guys that Nick took under his wing and, and kind of made the transition uh, a lot easier. Did you want to be a role model or was it more about, you know, Josh didn't drink, but right. a couple of us were, were more of, uh, I say, more drinking buddies and yeah. hanging out. Yeah. Than, uh, yeah, man, I just loved company. I mean, you, you knew me back then and, and just having guys around and, and you get that team bond. And, and it wasn't like I want rolled into the situation. It was like, I'm going to be a role model. And, and that's my title. It was just kind of something that came natural. And, and I wanted the new guys to feel welcome. I wanted the guys to feel happy and, and uh, a part of the club. So if I could go out on a Thursday night and, and have some pints with you guys, it was great. If I could have you guys over, it was awesome. And obviously some players stayed longer than others, but it, it was a, it was a good time back then, man. Like, uh, and and you you went through it. You were making a little bit less, but like twenty thousand dollars, thirty thousand dollars, you know. And and you just made life happen, and and it worked, and and it was fun. 
Well, yeah, the, the story I tell guys, uh, and I took this for uh, away from you, uh, was I remember I went out one night. I think it was me, you, and uh, Leko went out, and uh, you went home early, and, and I think we had a couple beers, and I ended up driving home. And the next day, uh, Aleko and you were kind of, you got on my case and said, hey, man, we, we don't think that's cool. You need to get a taxi. And uh, I think I made a bet with Aleko that I wouldn't do it again for a year. And, and I just took cabs. And uh, to this day, I, I still don't drink and drive. I credit you and, and Aleko. I mean, there, there isn't much credit I'll give Aleko, uh, but I'll definitely give you, I'll give you some credit in that you, you were willing to put your foot down when you didn't, uh, you know, it wasn't like an enabling uh, mentality of, oh, hey, it's no harm, no foul. It's like, look, dude, I, I don't think that's cool. And uh, so I, I tell people that, you know, Nick, Nick had an influence on me on the field, but I think he had a bigger one off it and, uh, you know, kind of showed me, hey, man, there's some things that you can do to be cool, but there's some things that aren't cool. And, and you know, you drew your line where they were. Thanks, man. Yeah, no, if I could, I mean, reach you or reach anybody and in, in drinking and driving, I, I mean, you know, it, it's a big deal. And, and I've been affected personally through friends and family that, that have dealt with that on, on both sides. So it's a touchy subject for me. And just recently, one of my friends got hit by a car by a drunk driver. So he's still in the hospital. So it's a touchy subject, but it's something that I think we all need to uh, be mature about and, and, and take responsibility for. And back then, where you're young, you're, you, you're excited, you're uh, DC, it's, you, can I save $17 back then? Uh, it comes to your mind, you know, on a, on a ride home or not. But I'm glad that you learned from that experience. Yeah, well, you know, we'll keep it we'll keep it lighthearted. I don't want to go deep. I just I, I know the the PA guys love that story and and you know they're they're happy about it. So so we get we go through DC. What were some of the things I'm gonna get into to being traded here? But you know we talk about the guys that helped you along the way. Who you know do you have anyone that that you looked at that hurt you along the way or that people that got in your way who made it hard on you? Who made it hard on me? Did anyone? I mean, did did anyone make it harder? Were you, you were you able to 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 get past all that? You don't really look at it that way. Yeah, I mean, offhand, uh, there's nobody that's really made. I mean, listen, you get kicked in training, you uh, you don't play here and there, coach's decision, uh, you get injured. There's a lot of thing that comes into play, but that's a that's a sport. That's what comes with it. That's the professional life, and I don't resent anybody for my career. I don't think everybody's been really made it hard on me. You know, I've had a, a year with Peter Novak that, you know, I wasn't his first choice, but that was his decision. And I think that alone molded me into a, who I am today and the player I was and, and just to be patient and, and trust the process and to be a team player and, and just little things you get out of decisions and, and hard times that help you out in, in the long run. I've been on a lot of teams, a lot of different goalies. You know, I say forwards are the, are the craziest bunch and that they don't, you know, they don't get along at all. But Goalie's an interesting position because really only one guy can do it. And if that guy does well, you know, it's not like a center back, right? Where I'm partnering with someone or, sure. or there's other opportunity for me. Uh, goalies uh, over the years, they seem to, especially I feel like this new generation, like they're kind of bred to be like, I don't like the other goalies that I play with. And, and it's a really awkward thing as a defender. You know, how did you kind of bridge the gap. I know you didn't always get along with every goalie you played with, but right. how do you look at that from your perspective? In the beginning years, it was easy. It was easy for me just to kind of, I'm the new kid. You know, I have Jeff Kassar. I have Garth Lagaway. We were like best friends. We, we hung out all the time and, and we trained together. They, they led the charge on everything. And, and it just was easy getting along. And, and I think you're right. It, you know, as the game evolved a little bit. Everybody thinks they're that number one. And, and there's nothing wrong with thinking that. You want to be on the field and everybody wants to be in the field. But like you said, the goalkeeper is one position. So I've had my good years. I've had a handful of my bad years. Uh, but you learn from the process. And at the end of the day, you could be competing with someone. You could be competitive and, and not like decisions by coaches. But you're a teammate. You, you, have to, you have to learn to be the right teammate, be there for that goalkeeper. And as tough as it is sometimes, nothing's personal. And off the field, you got to be mature enough to be a good teammate and, and a good friend. So uh, I've been through that, and I've learned both sides of it. And I think every goalkeeper will. Not every goalkeeper is going to be the number one forever. Uh, and I learned that really quick in D.C. So, yeah, it's just part of the game. I'm bitter as hell about being traded from D.C. You know, Dave Casper, and I look at it as Dave Casper, mainly Tommy Sohn. Uh, you mentioned Peter Novak. Do you feel like it was a combination of those three or just anyone in general in terms of moving you on to Salt Lake from there? Yeah, it was. I was in a position in my career where I wanted to start heading west. 
all three of them were great and, and helpful in me finding another team. I wasn't in the plans at DC and, and they made that clear. So it was on to the next. And, and for me, I think it was Columbus, Salt Lake City, and there was another team, maybe Kansas City as well, that I had an opportunity to go to. And Salt Lake was new. I, I liked the challenge. And obviously I ended up here, but yeah, those guys, I'm sorry the way your trade went down, <laughs> but those guys were great for me. And, and they, they uh, listened to me and they, they helped me out uh, getting to where I wanted to go. Well, I mean, I don't look at it as it, they didn't do me wrong. I just looked at it. No one, I don't want to be traded. But at the same time, I joke around and I say, you look at, you know, you're the, I don't ever want to say someone's a black eye on a GM, but it's like you say, okay, we're going to get rid of Nick Ramondo uh, for Troy Perkins. And not too long after that, uh, Troy Perkins is out of the league. Uh, Nick Ramondo's winning hardware in Salt Lake. They got rid of Brian Carroll, who goes and wins everything you can win with Columbus, long career at Philadelphia. You know, they moved me uh, for, you know, someone else. And then I go on and have a long career. And they, you know, they ride the wrong, I say, by bringing me back. But I kind of use that as motivation. And I guess that was what I was getting at. Did you use that as motivation to, hey, I'm going to I'm going to go and, and and show these guys I am a starter? Yeah, of course. I think when anybody is traded or cut or you have this, this something about you that you want to prove everybody wrong, you want to show them that they made that wrong choice. And listen, none of these GMs, coaches have a crystal ball that say, it's easy to say now that it was a wrong decision to trade me and I could have had these all these years at DC United, but you don't have that crystal ball and you don't know really how far uh, this player's going to go and how far, how big of an impact he's having in the league on the team, in the community. And, and for all the wrong trades and, and cuts, there's also, there's, there's a lot of right ones too for, the, for these GMs and, and, and coaches. So... Yes, it's easy to say now is the wrong decision, and, and if I played in D.C., who, knew, who, who knows what would have happened. But all in all, I, I use it as motivation, as anybody would when you're traded. You want to get back on the starting team. You want to show them they made the wrong decision, and I think I did that. This is PC, Nick, here. You, you must be uh, – you, you've got a couple job offers in the league, I think. That's, <laughs> that, that's what I'm taking away from this interview, but uh, let's keep it lighthearted. I mean, we – you know, before we move on to Salt Lake, you know, some of the guys here at uh, at D.C. that you played with, uh, my one of my personal favorites was Jaime Moreno, but, uh. you know, you had Ryan Nelson, <laughs> you already mentioned Ben Olsen uh, and Eddie Pope, but we had a thing, I don't even think I told you this, we had a thing called the 100K Club uh, when we played there, and that was like you, Ben, I think Santino, and <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, m- m- maybe one other guy, maybe Dima or someone. Um, but, you know, then you had Mike Pedke was there, Ernie Stewart, you had Risto Stoichkoff. And, Great team. Uh, Great obviously. team. Tell me about any of those guys. Uh, I know that you probably can't tell any stories with Jaime because he's just the most inappropriate <laughs> human being on earth. And maybe the same for Santino. But who on that list stands out? And, uh, you know, give the, the people a story on one of those guys. Dima. Uh, what a great roommate and, and person and teammate he was. I mean, I mean, loved himself more than anything. I think you knew that, right? I mean, he would have like just, you know, salary and carrots. And then we'd, whatever, make make some more food and, and watch TV. And I would just head upstairs and be like, yo, like, come join us. And he's up there sweating, doing abs and plyometrics in his room on the bed. And, and it's just, this guy was the ultimate professional, but also way into himself. That made it cool. You know, like I didn't see anything like this before. This guy is like came from Ukraine. Uh, his stories of of his family that took him in that made him just carry rocks and, and boulders around the neighborhood. And, and he came from a hard place. And, and to see him work, it, it was fun to see. But you look at Risto, that was a character in himself and how hard he was and the tackles that he threw in trainings and in games. And I think he broke a couple people's legs. Jaime, like you said, Christian Gomez. What a talent he was, and, and Ben Olsen. I mean, that was my that was my roommate. That was my my best friend on the team. And no offense to you, uh, Bobby, but uh, a lot of, a lot of things you know went on in our lives, and we went separate ways. And I still keep in contact with Ben, and and uh, what a good guy he is. But and you mentioned Santino. I mean, I, I think we go on and on with with uh, stories from Santino, but I don't think they're uh, very uh, appropriate. But <laughs> That's man, Baltimore, Baltimore, Baltimore. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. And and Pecky. I mean. Jersey coming down to DC and, and his wife, Kim, and we just had a good group up there and, and we were always together and, and you were, we were always in games. We, we, we won it. Well, right. I mean, we won it. We, we, we had fun doing it, picking Santino up from, I mean, you know, where after the championship game and, and 
there's just a lot of good stories that I'm, I'm just remembering now. Yeah, no, that was a, a great time. I mean, it was a great locker room to be a part of. And uh, I always say, you know where the bodies are buried uh, for about half the coaches and GMs in the league. So it's an awesome career. And, and uh, but let's let's keep it moving. So we will go on. You get you get moved to Salt Lake. I know you're trying to get out west. You're trying to get to L.A., but uh, this is your home now. And I mean, you've been very adamant about that. And the support you've gotten there is is great. We'll get into a little bit of that uh, here towards the end. But uh, tell me about are you excited to go to Salt Lake? Are you thinking, oh, uh, I'm going to Mormon country? I don't know what I, I don't know what I'm going to. I mean, tell me. Yeah, about it. yeah, I was excited, man. I mean, moving from D.C. to Salt Lake City, I think just uh, alone, the price of living was already a bonus. And, and at the time I had a sister-in-law that lived there, a brother-in-law. So we knew people. It was an easy transition. Um, like I said, I was up for the challenge. I knew there was a newer team. And the West Coast and, and playing L.A. And, and Chivas back then, you're going to California, you know, four times a year at least. So I was excited. I, I didn't know what to expect. Yeah, I was, I was definitely excited to, to come here and, and plant my seed. Was Clint Mathis there when you got there, Cletus? Cletus got here, I think, the year after. I think he played in L.A. the year I got here, and then the next year he came over. I may be wrong. And did, did you know him before that or no? I did, just through uh, trainings and, and the national team. And yeah, just just been playing against him and stuff And, and when he was in New York. I told you, I don't, I don't throw the word, I don't know Clint. Uh, I don't throw the word legend around very softly, but I've heard uh, legend. Is that accurate for him? I think overall, uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you could take his... his... <laughs> you talk off the field? <laughs> <laughs> I think if you talk about what he's done on the field and off the field and, and you combine them together, yeah, of course. I mean, okay. I think you've been out with him a couple times as well, huh? Or no? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know him that well. I think the one night I went out with him, he did some magic trick and blew everyone's mind. I was just like, <laughs> this, this is like the weirdest, coolest thing ever. But uh, yeah, but no. So I think a lot of people know your Salt Lake side, and we can go into it a little bit. I think the the points uh, that I thought were were really the most interesting is just how people have embraced you. We've talked about you brought them some hardware and, and the amount of games and, and the things you've done for, you kind of helped build. You were there for the, the new stadium. You build this whole culture that, you know, I don't think that Salt Lake gets enough credit in the mainstream media, meaning the MLS media. But at the same time, you look at the guys that have played there and, and they have developed a loyal following of guys that have played there, which means Guys have played there. They move on. They go other other ways, and they still talk about the city, how great it is. So, what have they done right that you know you don't look at a lot of teams and say, "Oh, there's guys that got traded and they're still happy." They still talk great about the city they got traded from, or the they retired, they didn't get a new contract, but they still love the city. What did Salt Lake do right that that no one else is doing the same way? You know, they do a lot of things right. I think they they do a lot of things that I would do different. I think the first thing that, that really, when we're talking about fans, is that stadium uh, in Sandy, you know, even though, and I'm picky, I, I wanted it to be downtown, but that really brought out the fans and, and the passion to Salt Lake City. And, and once we had that home, the fans came. We They supported us and... and and that's when we became, you know, pretty good. And that's when we won a, won a cup. And, and that's when we're, we're going on the road and getting results. And we weren't this team that had, you know, these big personalities and, and big DPs and, and big money players. We're just a team that went out there and, and fought and, and took everybody's bad negativity and used it as motivation to win games, to kick people, to, to win the cup. And, and you know, you, you talk about the fans, you, you have the city that's, you know, for me, it's a big little city that, that has everything you need uh, from the hiking to the to the lakes, to the great restaurants. And, and it just continues to build. And like you said, that the fans are loyal. And, and when you have loyal fans having your back and uh, everything you do on and off the field, uh, you feel at home. And, and, and that uh, feeling at home um, for me made me comfortable. And, and like I said, I love it here in Salt Lake City and, and happy I made the move. Yeah, no, it sounds like they've embraced you and you've embraced them. Uh, you're a small business owner there, right? You have a couple uh, establishments. Is that true? Yeah, I got my, my fingers in a couple bars and restaurants here and, and you feel comfortable. You, you meet people. And, and I was able to, to meet a group of guys that had a couple bars going or restaurants that used to be my watering hole after games or when we had off or Monday through Friday, whichever you want to pick. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I uh, met these guys, and they welcomed me into their group. And, and after the World Cup, I was able to um, join along with their, their adventures. 
Yeah, you got real creative with the the names of these places. It's beer bar, <laughs> like uh, man, that's a that's a confusing one. And then uh, the eating establishment. It's just like uh, I think the way they explain it to you is they just said, uh, Nick, this is a a bar. You're like, what do you do? You I drink had... beer, okay? Beer bar. <laughs> that's your favorite beer bar. Beer bar. <laughs> No, I was def- I wasn't involved in. Any- I like the names, man. Come on. Hey, look, I like the names too. I, it's very. It tells you what it is, and, and then you got. Uh, also, we talked to you. The only guy with a street name, as far as I know, you're the only guy with a beer named after him. And uh, I make fun of the stupidity of the name of the bars. Uh, oh, I thought you were going to say but, the, the name of the street. No, <laughs> no, no I, I like the name. I like the name. Okay. Uh, I, this one is. Is it Ramondo's Wit? Did I get that right? There's Ramondo's Wit, and there's recently a keto from Keto's Brewing, uh, Romando Pale Ale. Okay. Yeah. Okay, well, look at that. I mean, you, you get your own room, and now you have two beers <laughs> named after you. So, so this is just adding to the folklore that is uh, Nick Romando. But uh, <laughs> we'll pull it back. So we kind of, uh, I don't want to get away from, from your teammates to give you a chance to talk about uh, one or two guys uh, from this team. I think you had some interesting cats and Jeff Cunningham, uh, Javier Morales is a legend. Nat Borchers is, is probably someone you could talk about for days. Uh, I know on other things you've talked about uh, Ned Gravoy and what he meant to you. But what about, uh, you know, it seems like Plata's an interesting guy. And one of the biggest villains of MLS is Will Johnson. But apparently the guys that played with him uh, don't share that sentiment. Who do you remember most from your your Salt Lake days, you're going to miss the most. I, I haven't thrown Kyle in there, but uh, I, I don't. I think everyone knows you know, how you feel about him. I kind of want to touch on some yeah. of these other guys. Ned Gravavoy, he was like my right-hand man. So when he left, it was, uh, it was a sad day. So we would, we would go out all the time. He would always come over to my house. We'd go to, I would go to his house. We lived near each other. Yeah, he's the one that, that comes to mind. Obviously, you have Robbie Finley and, and, and Plata, Plata. But Plata's been on my team for, for a minute now. Back in the day, Javier Morales, such a good guy, like you said, legend. Nat Borchers, Olave. I think both of those guys were arguably the best defense in the league when they're together. They brought out so much in each other. I don't think Nat or Olave would have the career they had without each other. So those guys, obviously, close to me, uh, played with them, and, and a lot of respect for both of those guys. Um, when you walked in the locker room and you took a shower and you saw Olave walk in, did you did you think, like, this is just a, a darker-skinned Bobby Boswell? I mean, was that your initial thought? <laughs> that never went through my mind. <laughs> yeah, no, no, not at all. I, I'm like a birth child of uh, Olave and Borchers, maybe. But, I mean, that guy is just... He is jacked. He definitely chose the wrong career. NFL could have been an easy choice for him. Well, no, uh, those teams were great. The partnership he's referring to with uh, Olave and Borchers uh, in combination with Nick and really that whole back six... They have like the the league record uh, for goals against in a season. It was something absurd. It was like less than a goal a game uh, yeah. over the course of the year, and, and uh, that was a special group, the best MLS team in terms of almost winning the uh, Concacaf Champions Cup. Uh, oh, but yeah. won the cup. We won uh, the cup. I, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to <laughs> say that. I, I don't like to focus on things that uh, that aren't positive, right. and, and I think that that was. That, that y'all were the team that unified all fans of the league, meaning L.A. could play anybody and no one's going to root for them or D.C. Right. and there's going to be New York. But when you guys played that game, I think everybody was uh, was heartbroken with you. But, you know, y'all yeah. had to get there and, and y- y- you made people believe that it could happen. And uh, it was close. So, yeah, it was a weird time, but also like a, a special time. It was the first time I think I've ever felt like everybody in the league was behind us. Even the teams that hated us were rooting for us and, and we had all this backing and man, if I could take that day back, I wish we could have won one because I don't know, it would have been really special to lift that trophy in front of our fans and instead we, we lost and it was a sad day, man. And it wasn't just a sad day in Salt Lake City. It felt like it was just a sad day around all of MLS just because of how much support we had. Oh, for sure. I agree with that. I mean, I think I, I remember watching the game. Like, I, I don't remember watching games, right? But I remember watching that game and being like, this is it. Like, right. today's the day. Um, and I don't think I've felt like that since. And yeah, this is a little off topic. You brought it up, though. I mean, is that the one that got away? Like, that's your that's your one that got away? That's the one. And, and it's easy for me to say the KC final, PKs, everything that you dream of. 
and you lose that game. But losing at home to Monterey was was a tough one to swallow for sure. What was your favorite feeling? Would you say the best feeling was uh, was winning? You know, winning uh, one of your MLS cups. Was it the Chicago playoff game to get you there, or would you say it's kind of a weird one? But I know as a player, you cared more about uh, being selected for things like you. I think I I saw somewhere that you were talking about realizing you're going to be on the World Cup team, like the anticipation of not knowing if you're going to make it. I mean, what's the feeling of of the happiest you've been uh, with related to soccer outside of your children? Yeah, see, and and you noted that right there is I think when I when I've done these answer these questions before, the first thing I turn to is seeing my kids run out to me on the field that like win, lose or draw everything stops and you remember really quick why you do these things. This is why you play. This is the happiest I've ever been when I have my kids in front of me. But on a playing soccer side, I think just for sure going to the World Cup is one of the dreams I think every kid has growing up. I mean, I saw 90, 94. I've seen all the World Cups and leading up to it. And then, you know, you're out of the national team. You're in, you're out, you're not playing and I'm getting a little bit older and, and, and to be selected to go to Brazil was uh, a dream come true because during your career, you're okay. I have a chance, I have a chance. And then you, you kind of doubt yourself if you're not in the mix and you're not playing and uh, you're not being selected for these camps. And, and all of a sudden a new coach comes around and you know, he likes what you bring to the team. Not so much what you're contributing every single day on the game. It's, I think he saw a lot in me in the locker room. He saw a lot of me with the players and, and obviously my, my PK ability to stop PKs and, and I could play a little bit, but I think there's a lot comes into, you know, being that third street goalkeeper and even being that third string goalkeeper, it was a highlight of my career to be selected. Oh yeah. I, I would have gone and been the kit guy if, if it meant I was on the team. Um, so uh, listen, I call that the biggest disappointment of my life, uh, was not even really being a given a, I had a chance and I didn't do it. So, uh, I'm so happy that, that you were able to succeed in that. And, you know, I, I know that's a, a big life accomplishment that you can have that thrown on your name because you deserved it. And all right, well, let's talk about you being done. I mean, what, what's what's next for for Nick Ramondo? What, what I mean, do we know yet? No, not really. Uh, right now, it's it's just kind of I'm six weeks post on my my knee. I think I've done some of these uh, these interviews before, and and I wasn't lying when I have a lot of surgeries to to tackle and and uh, I got my uh, rotator cuff coming up March 4th and then four months down the road I could start my left rotator cuff or we could start it in the, the end of the year so it's just about recovering for me right now it, it's talking um, and having meetings seeing what I'm interested in and and kind of seeing what what's next and and I know that I'm gonna have to start from the bottom I know I'm gonna have to kind of make my way up and but it's again, it's something that you know, exciting to to tackle, and and I, I don't know what's next, but whatever it is, I'm hoping to have passion in it, and uh, I don't know, just just kind of live life and be happy, man. Yeah, well, no, I I think uh, you know, you bring up an interesting point for those fans out there that see this guy throwing his body all around, uh, just hearing he's gonna, it's gonna be a year just to get through some of the uh, the initial surgeries. That's a testament to you know, how, how you were able to endure while still playing. Are, are they able to fix any of your fingers? <laughs> I knew you were going to bring that up. I don't think so, man. I think these things are a lost cause. I think I've, I was told that they could fuse them, which just means that they would be straight and that wouldn't work if I wanted to have a fist or I don't know. I just, I've learned to use them and my day-to-day life doesn't, it is what it is. And, and people, they're a talking point and, and I can't do anything yeah. about it. <laughs> Yeah, it comes. No, it's, uh, it comes it's, with playing I, You soccer, should post man. a picture of those. You should <laughs> when this podcast is released. Just post yeah. a picture of them on Instagram. And, yeah, uh, I'll I'll tag you on. Just, them. I'll tag you. But on you're them. gonna have to put "not suitable for work" or uh, you might get blocked. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully, I don't think those are gonna get fixed. I hope my shoulders, my knee, hopefully my back. But yeah, I'm I'm a banged up old man, Bobby. Are you able to work out at all? Or are you taking a yeah, break on no, that? For no, at least- it, no, every it's funny how we are the way we tick. Maybe you're different, but for 20 years, it's me getting up. It's, it's going to training. It's, it's coming home. And we, we had a good life, dude. And, and I think that just kind of stuck with me. And yeah, I took some time off. Of, but like now it's like you see players going into to training camps. You see players getting ready and doing interviews. And listen, I don't, I don't miss anything from training camp, but I do miss the competitiveness, the, the locker room working out. So I, I'm able to work. I go downstairs. I get in the Pel- Peloton every day kind of get a sweat in. I think mentally that, that helps me out to, to kind of get through the day and, and 
not sit on my ass on the couch all day. So it's been good. So yeah, I can work out. I don't know. It's going to be uh, testy on, on uh, March 4th when I get my, my shoulder surgery and how much I could do then. Yeah. But, but right now I'm, I'm able to, to kind of be active. Well, yeah, I think the guys that seem, uh, the, you know, I get a handful of guys reaching out to me, especially when I do this podcast and the guys that work out, they find that, you know, if you don't work out, you get depressed just because yeah. you, you no, need those it's, endorphins. It's, so it's true, man. And I've learned that early and it's like, all right, you, you got till January and you could, you know, take it easy. And January 2nd, I was so bored and I had to get like, like on this routine of, all right, go downstairs, you come upstairs and there's only so many times you could pick up shit outside of your dogs, you know? So I got to get something yeah. different. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> Are you looking to stay in the game or are you going to move on to uh, something outside of the game? Yeah, I think if the right opportunity comes, uh, you know, definitely stay in the game. I think I have a lot to give. I think my experiences alone, um, you know, playing 20 years, seeing the league grow. If I can stay in the game, that's something that I definitely uh, look at for sure. And, and hopefully um, give back to, to these young kids and, and uh, the team, whatever team I'm with and, and see where it goes. And then uh, you talk a lot about your kids. We'll get into them in just a second. Uh, charities, you got any? Uh, you got anything you want to plug? I know you. You were always big in the stuff uh, when I played with you. Uh, wh- what do you got going these days? Uh, whether it's in Salt Lake or, or nationwide? Yeah, I, I mean, working with the Boys and Girls Club in, in Sugar House, Utah, and, and doing a new facility with them every month at, at Beer Bar, your favorite beer bar. We do something uh, for local charities. I mean, we've done Planned Parenthood. We've done Toys for Tots, Lupus Foundation of America, the Hospice for Homeless, Humane Society of Utah. So we, we try to tackle a lot of local charities and, and try to give back when we can. Well, that's awesome. You guys notice he, uh, he mentioned his dogs. Nick is a big dog guy. If you, uh, he, He's got 400,000 followers almost on, uh, on Twitter, at Nick Romando. He's also on Instagram, updating his story. So you can always see, uh, post a lot about his kids, his backyard, which is pretty impressive. And guys always at concerts, always doing fun stuff. So uh, make sure you give him a follow and support uh, those causes if you can. So uh, wind it down. Uh, I, you know, I know you, you always revert back to your children. They're the pride and joy of your life. I would like to report... I'm the happiest that you have children. I don't know if you remember, uh, we talked about you hosting people at your house in D.C. Uh, we played a game. Uh, we won't say the name of the game, but we used to, we used to get on your balcony and, shoot, and, uh, and guys shoot would paint run guns. across the yard and you would shoot them with paintball guns. <laughs> and I remember once that you ran and someone shot you. Uh, well, I shot you, but I shot you in the groin. Yep. And uh, right. there, there was a fear that you might never have children. So... <laughs> Uh, I just want to say on the record, I'm sorry, but uh, I'm really glad that everything worked out in the end. And, uh, you know, for for as far as your kids go, I mean, obviously they mean the world to you. And what's next with your family? And are are you going to stay in Salt Lake? Are you going to try to get back to L.A.? Uh, I mean, is this really your permanent home? It is right now, man. It is. You know, I I would love to head back to California just because of, you know, my family and and friends. And so they could enjoy and see the kids growing up, but this is home. Um, I, I love it here and, and the kids love it here. And I couldn't ask for a better place to be, uh, honestly. And, and the, the kids uh, with their sports, their schools, their friends, you know, Real, they have a lot of uh, joy here. And, and I don't see myself uh, moving anytime soon. And, and um, like you said, they, they are a huge part of my life. They are what drive me now being retired to, to spend more time with them and, and being able to go to their bat more of their basketball games and volleyball games and gymnastics and, and whatever it is, it, it's fun to be available to, to go. And, and I didn't have that access all the time because you know how preseason goes and you're, you're here, you're there and it gets crazy during the season. So to be there and, and to have more time with them and experience more things and March 14th, I'll be in Vegas. I'm taking my son to a soccer tournament there. So it's, it's cool to kind of share these experiences with them and, and now be a little bit more in their life. So uh, excited to have more time with them. Well, that's awesome, man. I think I speak for everyone, especially uh, those at the PA, those in MLS. You know, I think Salt Lake is lucky to have you and and to have had you for as long as they have. I know DC was great. I think everyone listening realizes uh, what a special player you were. Hopefully this shed some light into also why you were such a favorite of guys in the locker room. I appreciate you coming on today and I wish you nothing but the best as you move forward uh, into your retirement. Sounds like you have the right idea, popping some beers and uh, and kicking back. Uh, and maybe I'll surprise you and meet you in Vegas and we'll, uh, we'll throw it down one more time. And, uh, as you say, make party. <laughs> yeah, man, those are the nicest things you've ever, you've ever said to me. So thank you. 
<laughs> no, you just you just remember all the bad stuff, but there, there's a lot of good stuff, man. There's a lot of good stuff. Yeah, Bob, I'm, I'm uh, sorry if it was a little PC for you. It's it's early in the morning. Thanks for my, uh, for having me. I, I know I kind of shut you out last last year, but I think you understand my reasoning a bit behind it. But uh, happy I was on, and and hopefully it's a, a good listen for everybody. No, it's gonna it's great. I know I know the fans will get a kick out of it, and uh, you know I'm, I know this isn't the last we'll hear from you. Yeah. Uh, big big things to come, uh, but get your body right, get yeah. your head right, and yeah. uh, we're still supporting from afar. So appreciate it, uh, everyone. Nick Romando, thank you. Want to thank Nick Romando for giving us some time today for the podcast. Quite an interesting guy, the best shot blocker in the history of the league. And as you could hear, he's got some stories to tell. We thank him for not only coming on the podcast, but for his entire career putting his body on the line. And it seems like it's taken a toll. He's going to get his body right, his head right. And I expect to see him on a sideline as a, a director or a coach at some point in the near future in MLS. We're expecting big things from you, Nick. In the Where Are They Now segment, Nick mentioned quite a few characters, guys you should know if you've been following U.S. soccer for any period of time in the last 20 years, but I'll focus on just a few. He mentioned Dima Kovalenko, the Ukrainian assassin. When Dima retired in California, he became a youth soccer coach. Yeah, he was there for quite a while and eventually moved back to where he started his MLS career in Chicago to be closer to his family, but he's still a youth soccer coach in the Chicago area. Ned Grabavoy, quite a player he was at all levels, starting from the youth on. He eventually retired in Portland and became the director of scouting and recruiting for the Portland Timbers. Recently, he was promoted to the technical director with the Timbers, so I'm sure you'll see him around as you watch games this year and going forward. Pablo Mastroeni, one of the more interesting characters in U.S. soccer. We're hoping to get him on the podcast at some point. He became the head coach for the Colorado Rapids for a while, took a, a decent hiatus, and has recently emerged under Tab Ramos's regime as an assistant coach here with the Houston Dynamo. Eddie Pope was uh, quite a player, quite a guy. I got to know him uh, with my time in D.C. and beyond. He ended up working with the Players Association for several years. He also completed his law degree while doing that and used that law degree to become a sports agent for the Octagon Sports and Entertainment Agency. Last but not least, everybody's favorite locker room buddy, Santino Caranta, the Baltimore native, ended up back in Baltimore where he he started the Pipeline Soccer Club in 2011, grew that into a powerhouse. He's also a founder and the director for Baltimore Armor, which is a developmental academy. They're doing very big things there. As far as youth soccer coaching goes, this guy, is he's quite the resume, quite the experience. They're very lucky to have someone with his experience on the ground level. And as he says, out there in the trenches, doing the, uh, the day-to-day work to improve American soccer and American soccer players. And that completes our Where Are They Now? We appreciate you guys listening. Hope you enjoyed it. I know I sure as heck did. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Play by Players. Visit playbyplayerspod.com for more episodes or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.